The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you join us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Can you even imagine living a life of peace every day? How about just a life of peace in this moment right now? Well, I'm here to tell you that, yes, it's possible. Yes, you deserve it. And yes, you can have it. Here on the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James, we work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And today is no exception. Today we have a fabulous guest joining us. Coach Michael Burt is quickly becoming the go-to business coach for top performers around the world. This 13-time best-selling author of power books such as Person of Interest, Million Dollar Follow-Up, and The Inside and Inside the Mind of a Monster. Coach Burt knows how to enter, engineer people to win at the highest levels with a deep methodology in coaching the whole person. This former championship women's basketball coach retired at age 31. That's right, age 31 to create the coaching program known as Monster producer, which has quickly grown to over 700 participants around the world. Coach Burt is a master at connecting and instilling a contagious confidence in those he communicates with and believes deeply in energy with substance. I think I absolutely love that phrase, energy with substance amazing not only if you're in sales but for whatever we do energy with substance welcome to the everyday peace show coach how are you today i'm doing wonderful thank you for thank you so much for having me it's my my honor to be with you oh it's my honor to have you and i gotta tell you a lot of it is selfish for me today because (laughs) i do this for everybody but you interest me i've been researching a lot about what you do and i'm thinking to myself gosh i get him on my show for an hour for free to talk to him (laughs) and learn from him so it's just amazing to have you here to talk about your program and your coaching and i used to actually be in sales i i um, earned two free cars selling cosmetics at one point in my life Mm -hmm. my my background is i have a doctorate degree in pharmacy and have worked for as a pharmacist my entire career and if you know anything about pharmacists, um, them and the word sales kind of not in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, right. <laughs> but when I listened to um, a lot of the work that you do, I was so energized. Just not even what you were saying was great, but your energy was just contagious. 
was like, yes, yes, I think I can. I think I can. So I'm so <laughs> excited to have you here today and just share your wisdom with our listeners, whether they are um, working in sales or working in a business. One thing I always have known somewhere early, early in my career as um, in sales and as a pharmacist, someone told me that everybody's always selling something, right? And it That's has right. proven true in my life as a mom and as a wife, selling your kids on a certain idea and getting them enthusiastic uh, to, to galvanize a team is a great effort and a great talent. So I mm. hope that our listeners, whether you run businesses, whether you're running a household, whatever you're doing, you can really benefit from what we're going to talk about today because it's amazing. And what you do is amazing. You went from being a coach. So tell us how you made this transition. You were a coach and then you went into business, the business coaching. Give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, to understand how, how I made that transition, I started coaching very, very early in life. I, I tell people I kind of found my voice at the age of 15, coaching junior pro basketball. Uh, at 18, I was a head coach at an elementary school. And at 19, I was already at the second largest high school in Tennessee as an assistant coach. So I knew the minute I started coaching people, this was what I was supposed to do, right? But from 18 to 25, I would do a deep study of a gentleman named Dr. Stephen Covey. Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he introduced me to a concept, a theory called the whole person theory, that people were made up of four parts, a body, a mind, a heart, and a spirit. Each of those parts produced four different needs, four different dimensions, four different intelligences, four different capacities, and I would begin using that theory to coach my players. So as I coached my players, the whole person, we began to win lots of games. Uh, we began to show a lot of chemistry, and the more uh, we won and the more people watched us play, they wanted to know, Coach, what are you doing with those kids? And so I've, I've said, I don't have time to explain it to you, so I'll begin writing books. <laughs> so I began writing books at the age of 25, and when I did, that led me out to speak at corporate events and ultimately what I would do for a living uh, when I retired at 31 after building a championship culture. So the, you said the body, the heart, the mind, and the spirit. That's right. Four parts of our nature. Yeah, I, I get that on so many levels. The body, the heart, the mind, and the spirit. And I, and I, I follow of Covey, too. I love his work. That if we can get balance in those areas and get energized in those areas and mm -hmm. get disciplined in those areas, I would imagine championship is in your very near future. That's exactly right. See, a lot of people think coaching is getting more out of people, and it is. But I, I want to replace the question with how do we get more out of these people with how do we meet their core needs? And in response, they will give us more of themselves. So that theory is still something I use today. I'm 43 years old. I now coach uh, business people, entrepreneurs, sales professionals. And I still operate in that theory because when you study that, it's knowledge for the mind, skills for the body, desire for the heart, and confidence for the spirit. When you are deficient in one of those four areas, then you are not operating at a high frequency. Whether you have a broken heart for the heart or a crushed spirit for the spirit or whether you don't have the knowledge or the skill that you need, you're not going to produce at a high level. So that these are areas that even to this day I still coach people on. So that's knowledge for the mind, 
confidence for the spirit, skills for the body. And what was it for the heart? Passion or desire for the heart. Passion or desire for the heart. Amazing. So if you, and it makes such good sense. And and I I use this term in my business all the time. I direct a hospital pharmacy that it looks good on paper, seems really simple on paper, but I can imagine the levels and the complexity of it. And I'm just talking about building a championship basketball team. I'm not even moving towards the part of building, you know, coaching these, you know, world-renowned businesses and the things that you're doing on that level. But to reach that type of communication with one individual has got to be very challenging. Yeah, it, it is. I think when you have a, a framework or, or, a, or a correct paradigm to, to coach people, then once you know how to coach a person one-to-one, which has been part of my journey, then you can learn to coach people in groups. Now in today's technological world, when I coach tonight, there will be people from all over the world watching those sessions uh, with, with by tuning in online. So in today's world, it's what they're, what people are missing is a structure. They're missing a framework. They're missing, okay, I have the desire, that's the heart, but I don't have the skill, or I don't have the knowledge, or I don't have the confidence. Coach, how can you, how can you transfer these, these things to my nature so that I can go produce at the level I see in my mind, but I don't have the skill or confidence to go do? Wow. Wow. And my mind is just spending, spending right now, Coach, because uh, I'm thinking about my, you know, I told you this, this show today is a lot. I'm bested 110% because it touches every part of my life. And I hope for our listeners as well, you know, my business life, leading a huge team of people and trying to galvanize them and really trying to do exactly what you're saying, which is to touch these four parts of their nature to get them, um, to move collectively towards a goal and by, by Mm -hmm. meeting their, you know, and I agree with you, if you can help meet their needs, then they'll meet the needs of the team and the team will move towards championships. It, it sounds wonderful. And it, (laughs) and I, and I hope I speak for more than just myself. um, When I say that it is easier to say than it is to do. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, listen, coaching is a, is, a, is a very heavy service business. You're dealing with human nature, and human nature is to start with good intention. It's typically to fail to follow through and then experience guilt. And you're dealing with the, the – the, we're emotional creatures, and we, we are in one day and out the next day, and we're hot, and then we're cold, and then we're totally committed, and then we don't feel like doing it. So the coaching business – although it can be a very lucrative business, is a very heavy service business. And we still coach people. So people come to my training facility. They were there today. We had insurance people there today. I was coaching tonight. I will have my uh, monster producer entrepreneurial program. So people are still coming on a consistent basis to us for their training, and we're providing that structure. But it's not, it's not an easy business. I know a lot of people grow up and want to be coaches, and they – they don't understand the heaviness of the business model when you're taking on hundreds or thousands of people uh, and you're dealing with these emotions every day. There's a lot of disappointment. You really have to be able to handle that emotionally on this human nature that I see when you're coaching large numbers of people. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads me to your, um, your book, Person of Interest. And I, I love the title. And 
everybody wants to be on some level a person of interest but the mm-hmm. level of commitment that it takes to do that and the team that you need to have with you to do that is a lot it, it's it's a lot it's a lot you don't just become a person of interest overnight and i think people kind of are looking for sometimes this cookie cutter you know one two three approach and bada boom bada bang they're in so, well, I used, you, you said it best there. I, I have never met. Now, some, I've had one person disagree with me on this. One of my good friends actually disagreed, but I, I, I've never met a lazy person of interest. It takes a lot of effort to become a person of influence, a person of interest. You have to, to, to be willing to go out into the marketplace. You have to be willing to circulate with purpose. You have to be willing to work a sales cycle. You have to be willing to follow up. You have to be willing to go to events. Like very seldom, unless you're just a really talented person that creates something, do you see people of interest that, that are obscure. Uh, most people of interest have to create this perception that they're out there moving and circulating. And they've got knowledge and skill and desire and confidence and likability, and they're moving about the planet. And because of that, people want to associate with them. They are attracting people to them versus chasing people. That's really the concept of person of interest is you become so attractive. People are wanting to join your cause. They're wanting to be a part of the movement. They're wanting to be a part of what you're doing. That's really the, the reason I wrote that book, Person of Interest, is I was tired of chasing business, and I wanted to attract business to me. So and I got that when I read a lot of your stuff, you know, when I knew you were going to be on a show, and I just I fell in love with the, the prey drive and this whole concept and the idea of becoming what I call like a magnet, like you're drawing it to you. But what you just hit on was something amazing is that you, you built the persona first, you know, and that's how it became this magnet. You know, you, you got the product, but you had to build your individual self to become this magnet where people were just like, Hey, you know, I'm interested in you. I mean, and which is what I got when I started, you know, digging into you and what you were doing, I was really became interested in you and what you could do, but your energy level really drew me in. Well, I think energy comes from us, this cycle. You've had a big revelation uh, because of your revelation. You now have a deep conviction because of that deep conviction. You are now willing to go out and take large amounts of action and when people are sensing that energy, that passion, that what they're really sensing is a conviction. And uh, because I've been coaching people for 27 years and the kind of results I've seen with coaching, I know deep, deep within my spirit that a good coach can change a person's life. I know that a good coach with a demonstrated capacity can take you to a higher frequency. I know that, uh, that you can perform at a much higher level if you have a good coach in your life. I mean, I know it with, with deep within my, within my nature. So when I'm selling services or when I'm coaching people, it's just in me. Like, like it just comes, it comes out of me <laughs> and that's the energy that you're feeling. But I would, I would associate that energy with the deep conviction. Yeah. The, the deep conviction. So I want to just go back for one, for one moment, because you said something that was really astounding to me and I don't have the number right in front of me, but I like at age 19, you were, assistant head coach at a basket a high school. Yes, that's correct. At 19, basically at 15, I was coaching junior pro at 18. I went back to my elementary school and I asked to be the head boys basketball coach at that school. And after a lot of persistence, two weeks of persistence, they, they, they gave in and gave me the job mainly because nobody else wanted the job. 
And I have a theory. Every day at my current role is an interview for my next role. Every day in my current job is an interview for my next job. Every day with my current customer is an interview for my next customer. So I coach that team as if I was coaching in the NBA, and people begin to notice. So the head coach at the second largest high school in Tennessee called and basically said to me, um, I've heard about you. I've heard you're this young little whippersnapper. I was wondering if you would come to Riverdale and be one of my assistant coaches. And so I accepted that job at 19 years old. 19 years old, barely out of high school yourself, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> barely out of high school yourself. You're here taking on this role, which I think is phenomenal. It speaks of purpose. It definitely speaks of leadership. Um, but what, where do you think that kind of drive came from initially? Like, you know, this is what I want to do. I, I want to coach. And I love the fact that you, you know, you're interviewing for your next job or preparing for your next job while you're in your current position. But you're young and where, where do you, what do you, what do you attribute that that type of mindset to? You know, this is a, this is a great question because there's a lot of debate out there in, in in the coaching world about finding your purpose or finding your why. Or you know, Simon Sinek wrote a great book called Find Your Why, Start with Why. I would actually tell you from coaching thousands of people that I don't believe you have to. Find your purpose first before you activate your prey drive. And let me let me explain that because a lot of people are going to be like, now what 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 exactly what exactly are you talking about here? I believe that many times in pursuit of something or when you're working a muscle, sometimes your purpose finds you versus you finding it. And so I didn't know, although I knew I wanted to coach, it was really the act of coaching that and, and the act of doing it, of working that muscle that I would begin to say, this is part of my purpose in life, is helping people perform at a higher frequency. You know, it wasn't I sat down and found my why and then went and, and then went and participated in the coaching. I participated in the coaching only to figure out that was my purpose. Does that make sense? It makes such because you, you, you discovered yourself by doing, by being actively engaged, not by sitting back and pondering, well, here, what is my purpose? You got in life and you, sit, and you got actively involved in life and it was mm-hmm. revealed to you through activity to becoming engrossed in the current activity that you're in. And I believe in that 100% is that it will be revealed in you, but in the doing, in the doing of things, you'll be, your nature will be revealed and your interests will be revealed, if you will, and your passions will be discovered. And you don't have to know what your, your passions are before you get busy doing something. You get busy doing yeah, something and, I- and it comes and it, and it will be revealed. Exactly. Exactly. Because I said this at a conference a few weeks ago. Like, I don't think you have to find your why to do something big in the world to activate prey drive. And prey drive is this instinctual ability in you to see something and want to go get it. It's to move towards something. It's to it's to take action. That And a lot of people have not figured out how to activate it. And so many people came up to me at that conference and said, thank you so much. I felt like a loser because I hadn't found my purpose. <laughs> I hadn't found my why. And you gave me permission to understand sometimes you find it in the act of pursuit of something. So I see prey drive being activated. It could be activated by competition. It could be activated by fear of loss. It could be activated by being inspired by other people. It could be activated by uh, this being dissatisfied with your current state of potential. You know, this, these are activators of prey drive. So a good coach can create an environment where that prey drive is very high. Like my, my team – I meet with my team every day at 8.15, and then I meet with them again midday, 
And I'm trying to stir that. I'm trying to stir that prey drive. I'm trying to create an environment where their, their, their drive is activated. Because without drive, what good is it to have knowledge with no desire? What good is it to have skill with no desire? What good is it to have confidence with no desire? So this is a key component that I think a good coach should be able to activate in you. And that's prey, just for our listening audience, is P-R-E-Y. I know a number of people are probably like, P-R-A-Y. <laughs> but P-R-E-Y, prey, drive, which is, I mean, something phenomenal. Just getting to that point there about talking about activating this prey drive. And I do this little informal, a lot of my listeners know I do this. Like when I know I'm going to have a guest on, I just start talking about the guest and their concepts in my general conversation with people. And I want to tell you, because you brought this up, and the prey drive and I asked some of my uh, staff members I said you know do you are you motivated by competition and I so you know and then there are a few people and I work in healthcare, and it's not the nec- most necessarily uh, competitive environment but uh, a number of people said no you know I'm not competition makes me deflate you know I'm not I can't perform well when I feel like I'm getting competing against other people. So I'm glad to hear that you said there's a number of different ways that can activate the prey drive, that that instinct in you to win. Because I find that a lot of people, and tell me if you find this in your coaching thing, but a number of people I find are okay with the status quo. They're okay with mediocrity on some level. Meaning that they don't want to have to, they have their, there's whatever that fire in the belly, it has not been ignited and they don't necessarily are seeking to ignite it. Although they want better, may want different circumstances, that thing that would just ignite them, the, the prey drive has not been ignited. So it's great to know that there are other things besides competition that can do that for a person. Well, well, I use my wife as an example. My wife, uh, came from a very small town in Tennessee and she was not involved in sports. She, you know, went to work at 16 years old to help pay for a car. She, she did drugs every day from 21 to 24. She hung around, um, just a lot of shady people for a period of her life. She had little or no direction and her company sent her to one of my workshops on my book. This ain't no practice life. And I knew of her, but I didn't know her. So she came to the workshop, and we were talking about this ain't no practice life, and she had never read a self-help book. She was probably late 20s, and she she just was so fixated on this book, and she brought it back to me two weeks later, and she said, man, I have never uh, read a self-help book. I've never had anybody talk to me about my potential. She's like, I know I have something something inside of me to do something bigger, but I just don't know how to do it. Well, fast forward uh, many years later, now my wife is writing her own books. She's doing her own women's conferences. She's doing her own podcast. She's really become a strong voice uh, for women. And, I, and so I say, what happened to her? Her prey drive was activated. She didn't know how to activate it. She needed the help of another person to activate it. She needed someone to show her that she had potential. So I'm a big believer for her, it was being turned on to self-development where nobody had ever walked into her life and said, hey, read these books. Let's go to these conferences. Be involved in this workshop. And I like to joke and tell her that she got a pretty good husband for 50 bucks, you know? (laughs) She paid 50 bucks for the workshop and got a good husband out of it. Wow. I I absolutely love that. And so her prey drive was self-development, thinking the yes, I can be 
someone or something or yes, I can achieve. And that goes back to confidence, which I find a lot of people lack confidence and self-confidence in their ability to do. And oddly enough, I find that social media does a number on people to help them diminish in self-confidence because they're seeing maybe falsely inflated things and they're measuring themselves with an external yardstick instead of saying, okay, and, and, and you can tell me if, if, if this is a principle uh, that would be beneficial in sales. But I know one of the things I do is I have my own internal markers and I'll say, you know, hey, Drayvon, this is where you were last year this time. And if you could just be here next year this time, you know, and that would be an improvement for me or, or next month if I could do, you know, send out so many cards or whatever next month. So I use my own internal yardstick, which keeps me motivated. But and it helps me not to get deflated by looking at the external world. But I know I've talked to people and they say, you know, I could just I can't keep up. I'm so far behind. And I just and they just give up. Well, I think, you know, I wrote a book on confidence and and one of the biggest things I tried to do is turn it into more of a science of how did what is it? How do you build it? How do you maintain it? How do you protect it? How do you get it back once you've lost it? To me, that is a huge missing structure. And you said the right thing from my perspective is that most people's confidence is tied tied up in what other people think about them. So if you study self-actualized people, and there's very few self-actualized people on the planet, but one of the characteristics that I've always remembered of self-actualized people is they are independent of the good opinion of others. Their confidence is not predicated by what another person thinks about them. And here's why this is important. Let's say I speak at a conference tomorrow in – I think I'm speaking in Dallas. Let's say there's 400 people there. There's going to be a percentage of those people that see it immediately and like it and want to purchase something or have a deeper relationship with me. There's going to be a percentage of people that need to see it one to three times, a percentage of people that need to see it three to seven times, a percentage of people need to see it seven to 15 times. And then there's going to be 16% of the people that ain't never going to see it. They, They may not like me. They may not like my accent. They may not like how tall I am. Uh, they may not like my methodology. I used to go in and speak and, I, and, and think, man, I'm going to get everybody. Like I'm going to go in right. here and give a great presentation. I spent my whole life preparing for this, and everybody in the whole place is going to sign up for something. Right. And you, I would leave there. Coach, I want to <laughs> interrupt you one second, Coach. We're going to break for a quick commercial break, and we're going to come right back and talk about the science of confidence and what that can do to propel your life to the next level. This is Dr. Drayvon James welcoming our awesome guest here, Coach Burton. We'll be back after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. We're back with Coach Burke and we're talking about the science of confidence and what that will do for you. So we're talking about, and I love how you said, you know, you started off preparing, you know, like any great presenter would do you're, you're prepared you get on that stage or what your platform and you're saying to yourself i'm ready for a hundred percent 
of these audience members to fall in love with this program, walk away with it, and then what happens? <laughs> well, a percentage of a percentage of them ran to the back and bought my books and signed up for my coaching programs, and then a percentage just walked walked past me as fast as they could <laughs> without making eye contact. And you know, I used to leave going, man, what what could I have done better? Like, how could I have prepared more? How could I deliver? And then and then I saw the law of diffusion and innovation, and it basically says that 2.5 percent of the people are uh, early adopters or innovators. They see something, they take action on it. You know, then there's a percentage, 13.5% of the population, which are that early adopters. Then it goes early majority, late majority laggards. And when I saw that, I said, oh, this explains it. 16% of people, when I present an idea to them, are immediately going to get it or be interested in the first, first time they get it. Then there's going to be that percentage of people that see it, and they have to see it more times. And that helped me to understand I didn't fail today. This is just the law of percentages of how people do this. So I lock into that 16% number. Anytime I'm giving a presentation or speaking to a group, there's typically 16% of people sitting in that room that are ready to go. I just got to find those 16%. So tie this to confidence and you say, uh, I don't, I'm not going to allow other people to control my confidence. Like I'm not going to place my confidence in other people's hands because some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. So I've removed the concept of rejection. I say there is no such thing as rejection. Some people will will want what you have. Some people will not want what you have. So what? We're going to keep on moving. Some will. Some won't. So what? We're just going to keep on giving the message, and we're gonna we're gonna over we're gonna compensate for this this disappointment by volume. We're gonna go out and we're gonna help so many people in the world. The people that don't want to get on board, it's just perfectly perfectly fine. We're just gonna keep on moving. I love this. Some will, some won't. So what? And then we compensate for this, you know, for that with volume with not, and that speaks that it, it's just a circle to me. And, and I, I love it. I'm just like lit up like a Christmas tree right now, because what I see and what I know is that if we if we would some kind of way close our ears to what we think is rejection and repurpose that repurpose that and say, this is an opportunity for me to go get in front of more people, for me to get my message out uh, better, because it's always an opportunity for growth and development to look at, hey, you know, what if I do this, if I do that? But it's not rejection. Like you said, there's no such thing as rejection. Some will, some won't, so what? Get in front of more right. people with anything. And, and this goes, you know, we're, we're talking about businesses today, but this is a wonderful philosophy for life. I mean, you use this coaching a girls basketball team to a championship. This can be used at every level of life. I think so many people are get discouraged in life with the results that they see because they let one or two activities define their entire life. You know, what they perceive as a failure. Oh, I didn't do good there, so I'm not a good speaker. I didn't do great there, so I'm not good at math. Someone told me I'm not a good speller. No, that's, you know, these these are opportunities, for, as I see them, for growth and development. And this concept of getting in front of more people means that we stay at it. We stay at it. Mm -hmm. Well, this, staying at it is the, is the only option. Staying in motion in a dynamic state, not allowing other people to control your confidence. Never See, what you're doing when you let other people control your confidence is you're effectively disempowering your own self and you're allowing their weakness to control you. 
okay? And I think that's very important because some people will get on board, some people will not. Sometimes it's nothing that you did. Sometimes you did everything you could do, and they just didn't want what you have. That's not rejection. They just want something different than what you got. Right. And you need to get in front of more people so you, to the people who want what you have to, to offer. But then I go back and you say uh, one of the phrases that I absolutely love was, was this energy. You know, you match, match the energy with substance. I think that second word substance is so important because sometimes you get the other. You get a lot of energy. But at the end of that, there isn't a lot to build on. There's always an opportunity for us who are in the service business and we're all in the service business <laughs> um, mm -hmm. to really take a development of skill sets seriously. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever I think, I think that the internet has, has produced a lot of cotton candy. And what I mean by that is people who have not paid the price, people who, who are given advice on things they haven't done. You know, I look for a demonstrated capacity in, in a person, which means have they been able to do it themselves? Then they're telling us how to do it. I think I think we live in a world today where people are giving advice on things they haven't done. And I think you got to really get down and ask, what has this person done? What have they created? What have they accomplished? How can they help me? Before you get in, because I think a lot of those people give coaches a bad name. They get in a coaching relationship where the coach has never really done anything. They haven't built a business. They haven't run a business. They haven't won a championship. But they're giving advice to other people about how to do these things. And I'm a big believer in trying to practice what, what we preach, not extending myself, not, not getting involved in things that I don't know anything about. I try to stay in my lane of this is where I think I can help you. This is the, what we've been able to accomplish and achieve. Here's, here's how I think you can do it, but there are people doing it at a much higher level than me. So I can't tell you how to do what they're doing. I can only tell you to do what we've done. Right, but each time you do something, each time you hit a milestone, there's an opportunity to then reach up and or uh, extend yourself and say, okay, now I can help at this next level. But I love what you said about, mm -hmm. I can't tell you where to go, how to get to where I've never been. And I'm paraphrasing, right. but I believe that. And that's why I started off by saying, you know, I, I lead a, a medium-sized team. And I know that, you know, this the body, the heart, the mind, and the spirit, it's so, I mean, it's four levels to that. And it looks good on paper, but if, if you haven't really got yourself out there, you've tried to lead by example, and you've done all these things, you could... You could get coached by somebody who could write about it, but your experience, your results will come from the getting coached from the person who's actually done it because it can look good on paper, but you, you know, you, you hit a bump in the road. And if you haven't, if you're not being coached by somebody who's also hit that bump in the road, you're just all just kind of lo lost out there with a flat tire. You got to know what to do when you hit the bump in the road. Well, my real estate agent, I asked him one day, what, you know, what are you, he's a good friend of mine too. And I said, what do you think I should do about this? And this, and it was a business related question. And he said to me, um, uh, did, did you, did you earn four times the amount of money than I did last year? And, and, and I said, well, I, I think I did. And he said, well, then you don't need to be asking me that question. <laughs> <laughs> he said, because you know how to do it a whole lot better than I do. So the, the point was, don't take advice from people. He was saying, don't take advice from people that are operating at a lower level than you. You need to be reaching up. You need to be reaching up to people who are doing it at a, at a very high level. I've got a I've got a new I've got two new books out. One is called The Accountable Church, 
and that is uh, for churches to remain in a dynamic state. There's 10,000 churches uh, in the United States that are closing their doors every year. That's 200 per week because they can't get people to come and they can't keep them engaged. And I use my experience as a, as a coach that's built very big networks of people on how we get people engaged. And I said this could be used in the church world. So it would be interesting to see how that, how that works because I've built a coaching business. And my pastor told me, he said, you really need to, 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 to write this book. And I really resisted for two or three years. I said, I don't want to write the book. What, what makes me qualified to write the book? I've never run a church. And he said, well, you've run a successful coaching program of subscription where people are coming back month after month after month. And you've you got all these creative ways to keep them engaged. And that's really what pastors need to know is how do we keep people engaged? And how we get them excited? How we keep them involved? How we get them coming versus watching it online? And so, you know, I, I wrote that based on my coaching experience, not based on my pastor experience. But the other book is called Single Digit Millionaire, and it's basically on how to get to double digits. And, and, and I tell people I'm not qualified to tell you how to get to double digits because I haven't figured that part out yet. I'm, I'm only qualified to tell you how to get to the first part, but you can't get to double digits until you get to single digits. Well, Coach, I, I got to tell you, most of us would be happy with you teaching us how to get to the single digits. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's my thought process. (laughs) And and I love something that you just said because you actually answered a question I was going to ask you. A lot of times I talk to people that express they are hesitant to talk to people who are above them for advice because they have shame, guilt, or embarrassment about mistakes or what have you. But the only way you're going to grow, and what I hear you say, is to reach up. Because someone who's at your level or below can't tell you what you're missing or the little thing you need to tweak in order to go to the next level. Yeah, I think I, I look think about the word demonstrated capacity. The people you're getting advice from, do have they shown a demonstrated capacity to get to a higher level? <clears throat> That's one interpretation of the parable of the talents in the Bible is they showed a demonstrated capacity to use those talents. And because they use those talents, they got more talents. Well, some people do not have that demonstrated capacity. They haven't had a long obedience in the same direction. They haven't worked that muscle enough, but they're out there telling other people. You know, I saw a real estate agent the other day who said, I don't have enough money to pay for your coaching services, but I'm out telling other real estate agents how they should be running their real estate business. And I said, man, what you need to be doing is going back to selling real estate and learning how to sell real estate before you go tell other people how to sell it. Get back to your core skill. Quit trying to do this and this and this and this. Get back to what you're great at and be great at that. Wow. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm reminded that Eric Smith, the executive chairman of of Google, said that everybody needs a coach. Everybody Mm -hmm. needs a coach. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and that's a really broad statement when you think everybody needs a coach. But I cannot think. And as I'm listening to you talk in that example right there about the real estate agent, you know, everybody needs a coach on some level. I mean, you talk about church and and to me, that's that's coaching. Your pastor gets up there and says, "Okay, I'm going to coach you in some life skills, some spiritual practices that are going to help you Mm -hmm. to next level your life on many levels. If you if you line up here properly, that's coaching. Mm -hmm. So everybody can benefit from coaching at every level of their life, whether they are in a business, whether they're running a household, whether they're running a church. I love the idea of coaching for churches because a lot of times we don't think of that as a business. And you're right. They're, they're cl- churches are closing 
at in record numbers, record numbers. And I know mm-hmm. that a lot of people are, uh, you know, attending um, on, you know, online services or watching, you know, watching them on TV has always been a thing, but more so with this up and coming generation, which is very social, social media conscious, the attendance is dropping. And if the attendance drops, then, you know, a tithing drops. And if tithing drops, well, there goes, mm-hmm. you know, the building mm-hmm. fund and what have you. So it's great to get in the lane of teaching, um, not just the theology. I know that's that, that's there and that's sound in a lot of churches, but how to attract the people, what you need to do in order to bring the people, to draw the people. Like we started off at the beginning of our talk, talking about being that person of interest, getting people to be interested in you and what you're doing so that they want to come and Mm -hmm. check out what's going on in your life. So what Mm -hmm. would you say? And and, and I'm going somewhere with that too. A lot of our listeners, a lot of people that I talk to are small business people who are running, um, Coaching on some level, small, you know, relationship coaching, um, health coaches, but they're small. They're still in the mom and pop phase, if you will, how to next level their self. What, are, are they people who could participate in your coaching level or do they need to do something before they get to the Coach Burt level? No, we coach people uh, at all revenue levels. We coach startup people who are her mom and pops that are just trying to get going that own Everything from donut countries to Napa auto parts to uh, RV sales to daycare centers. I mean, we literally coach people that are that are just getting up and getting going. We really help them get their sales up because that's really the first big thing they need to do is they need a good sales system. They need a way to acquire new customers. They need good follow-up mechanisms. They need good referral op- optimization plans. They need to know how to market and brand themselves as people of interest. So we coach small businesses from – from literally that are just getting up and going. And we have plans uh, that are very cost effective for you to get up and get started in the coaching program, because I'm telling you with a good coach, you will earn three and four times the amount of money than what you're currently earning on your own. And I don't want your doors to shut because you don't know what you're doing. Right. I don't want you to go out there and have the, let's go back to that whole person. I don't want you to have the desire and you come in and you work hard, but you don't have the know-how you don't have the knowledge. You don't have the skill set. That's really what the coaching will bring to you is the, is the know-how to run a successful business. And it ain't easy. Listen, running a small business in America is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. It's, it's why so many businesses start and close because they don't have enough customers. They don't have a plan to go out and generate new money every day. They lose focus. There's hidden potential in their business that they don't focus on or they neglect or it's not in plain sight or they just don't know. And that's really what we do for people. And that's awesome. I got to tell you, in preparation for our time today, I did poll a few people that follow me and that I am engaged with that run small businesses. And one of the what common themes that came up with a few of them was that a lot of the, and they're in the emphases, they may have been in business two or three years, but they do speaking and motivational things. And they're like, I'm still giving my services away. So I encourage them. I said, you want to really pay attention to the show that I'm going to do with Kurt Burt because if this is going to be a business and not a hobby, you're going to have to generate income. So what would you say to those type of business people who are still just giving their services away and they haven't well, and to, monetized their services? That's a, that's, a great, that's a great question. There's two parts of that. I would show them how to monetize through a sales system. If you have a skill set 
you got to remember that money changes hands when problems are solved. So your skill set and unique ability is, is used to solve a problem in the world. There's an exchange of value for money there. And most people have a good skill set, but they don't have a way to market it. They don't have a sales system to go along with it. So one side of that is teaching you how to run a business. So you're a speaker and you want to speak more, but you don't have a sales team. So you're, getting, you're not really getting a lot of speaking engagements. You're, you don't know how to get on stages. You don't know how to charge for your services. You don't know how to craft your message in a way that, that gets people to take action. We have calculated that when I speak, either for free or paid, because I want to make an argument for doing things for free, there are times that I speak for free because I have a product suite to sell. And we have calculated that if there is an audience of 200 or more people, and it is the right audience, qualified buyers, then that stage is worth between seventy dollars and $150,000 to my company. So in essence, I can speak for an hour, and we can generate as much as $150,000 in sales from that hour. But that is because I've learned how to create a product suite and have different levels of product services from a low-ticketed to a medium to a high-ticket. So I'm okay with them getting in front of people for free. What they need to have is something to sell other than just a book. They need something that is a, is a product they can scale from the stage. They need a residual recurring product. They need a coaching program. They need a two-day course. They need a boot camp. They need a weekend retreat. And I'm actually teaching people that at my Million Dollar Coaching Summit in November because I've spent 17 years learning this game. And I can show you how to take one free speech for an hour and turn it into $150,000 of revenue for your company. It's not a bad hour, by the way. Not a bad hour. And, and this is what and this is what I, what I want the audience and our listening audience to really get is that you start somewhere. But I go back to, you know, Eric Schmidt from Google, who says everybody needs a coach. And in our you know, personal and professional conversations preparing for our time together today, I've been talking about that in groups and different things that I've been attending and saying, you know, even if you are you yourself are in the coaching business and whatever you're doing in the coaching business mm -hmm. is wonderful. But if you desire to help more people, you're going to need a bigger span. You're going to need a bigger reach and this being able to attract people to your services. Nothing wrong with doing things for free because we all want to have that, that spirit of giving. But like you said, you get on the stage for free and then you have product there that people can take home mm -hmm. and work with and learn more because you can't give everybody everything in an hour of your time. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. What you do is you're introducing them to concepts, but when you really want to um, help people. And I love that phrase, you know, um, money changes hands when problems are solved. If you really want to solve someone's problems, you're going to send them home with something, something that they can really sink their teeth in and start developing some systems in their own lives, whatever your coaching business is. So, it, you know, everybody does need a coach and that what you're doing is phenomenal. This concept of helping people and helping businesses and all this from somebody going back to the beginning, um, being dogmatic and saying, hey, I want to come here and I want to coach at this level and then learning your passion from there, learning your passion from there. Two, two words on passion for um, our listening audience. And I'm going back to the beginning of our time together because this came up a lot in my talking with people as well, is people doing things, doing businesses and, and blaming their lack of success on the fact that, well, I guess that wasn't my passion. What I heard you say in the beginning of this is that you, 
you learn your passion through doing. Not necessarily mm-hmm. is it time to close that business down. Maybe a little bit more muscle, what you say, could turn things mm-hmm. around and you discover another business through that business. <laughs> yeah, just it, and what you find when you're working that muscle is you is you find the niche you're supposed to be in. Uh, you know, there's been things that I've done in my career because I could I had done them that I thought I could coach other people on, and I, and I was miserable coaching people on how to write books because uh, that wasn't a place I needed to be. Just because I'd written books didn't mean I need to be coaching people on how to write books. So I think sometimes you work these muscles only to find out, I love doing this, I love doing this, I love doing this. There's an intentional congruence between these concepts. You know, I'm marrying what I love and what I'm passionate about and what I compensated the most money for. So I think that happens when you work the, when you work the muscle and you're actively in pursuit. I don't think it happens when you're stagnant or, or you're waiting to find, like, what is my purpose? I'm just sitting here waiting, trying to figure this out. Get out and do. Get out and participate. Get out and go. Get out and meet people. And for those speakers, get out and speak as much as you can. Work that muscle. Figure out what is the right audience for you. Figure out what product you want to sell. That's how you really figure this thing out. Yeah, and and get it, and, and I would say, and, and get a coach, get a coach, because you could spend the next ten years doing wonderful work, but if you're doing wonderful work in a vacuum and no one knows that you're doing it outside of the five or ten mile radius from your office or your or your home, you do a disservice to you and to the world that could benefit from the service and, and what you're giving to the universe and what you're offering, what you're talking about. And I, and I love how you know you, you coach people to their to the highest level. Amazing. Amazing. You know, if you're if you're making a hundred bucks and you can make ten times more of that this month, it's worth it. It's worth it because mm-hmm. that leads me mm-hmm. to my next point is people saying, well, you know, and, and you, you hit on this earlier. Uh, well, I cannot afford a coach. You can't really afford not to have a coach. Would you say? Yeah, I think I think when you look at investing, the first thing you need to be investing in is, is in your own self, enhancing your skill set. Too many people see this as an expense. And, you know, when I was 25 years old, I was making twenty four thousand dollars a year as a high school basketball coach. I wanted to learn those seven habits from Covey. It cost $2,500 for a 30-hour course to become certified in those seven habits. I didn't have the money, but I had the desire. So what I did is I went to my mother, and I asked her, could I borrow the $2,500 from her and pay it back in increments of $50 a month? And I did. And I learned those seven habits. And those seven habits would help me generate millions of dollars of revenue. It would change my life. So sometimes you got to live out of your surplus before you live out. Sometimes you got to live out of your sacrifice before you live out of your surplus. And I think too many people don't understand that. If you want something bad enough, you can find the money. To be coached by the right person, you can borrow the money. You can find the money. You can cut something out of your budget because that could be a difference maker for you. Yeah, and I, I hope people are really hearing that too, especially those people. And I know we're going to have a number of listeners who are pursuing businesses this is your sweat equity your heart's desire for many many people especially those people who are in the motivational inspirational speaking there's a number of them who um, follow the program and this is your passion this is your message that you want to get out to the world to to, provi- to perform a healing of some sort for people it's worth it's worth the, the sacrifice now, like you just said, if you got to borrow it, if you got to cut something out so that you can get this message out further. Because 
if, if, if you stay in that little cocoon, the message dries up with you. And after a while you find, you know, well, you, you can't even afford to run the business anymore because you haven't grown it. It's been five or 10 years and you haven't grown it. And that leads me to another question. Then I just want to stop and have people know how to get in touch with you. What someone said to me, you know, after seven years, if you're not successful in a business, should you close the business? Even if it's your passion business. And I'll, I'll bring that question to you because I didn't have an answer for that. Well, I think about, some of my good friends that are playing music down in Nashville and they, they and they make a, a decent living and they work hard and they're trying to go from baby stars to big stars. Most people have a significant breakthrough at the 10 year mark. That's 10,000 hours of, of focused practice or intense practice with correction. You should be having success in your business at least some level in the first, I think three to five years. Three to five um, years. So with that being said, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. How can, if we're almost out of time, how can our guests connect with you so that they can get this success? They can go to Coach Burt, that's C-O-A-C-H-B-U-R-T dot com. They can follow me on YouTube, Coach Michael Burt, Instagram, search Coach Michael Burt. I do spell it M-I-C-H-E-A-L, but if you, if you search Coach Burt, you, you'll find everything you need uh, out there in the world, Coach Michael Burt. And thank you for having me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on your show. Oh, it's been a pleasure to have you. This is Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I want everyone, everyone to have a day of peace, a life of peace defined by you. Get yourself a coach. Get in touch with Coach Burt. Next level your life. Coach Burt, thank you for being here. And until next time, peace to everyone. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth, and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.